You're listening to a podcast in New Covenant Church. Join us online Sundays at 10.30 a.m. Well, we are going to be in Romans chapter 15 today. Just going to do a standalone message. We just finished up our Not Forsaken series, and we are actually starting a series I'm very excited about uh, next week. So when we go live on the 14th, we're going to start a series on wisdom out of the book of Proverbs. Um, it's called Through the Noise, and I'm super excited about this. Uh, I think it's going to serve all of us so well in light of all the events going on in the world, uh, globally and locally, and <clears throat> I believe it's going to strengthen our relationship with God and with one another. So get excited for that. Get ready. It's going to be awesome. But today, uh, we're just going to take a, a, little, a little standalone message out of Romans chapter 15. We're going to be in verses 1 through 7. Let's read God's word. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another, in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Well, Father in heaven, we are thankful of your care over us, your love for us, thankful for your word. And now I ask, oh God, speak to us through your word. Change us from the inside out that we would know you more, that we would love you more, and that we would, as the scripture said, be able to walk in harmony, unity, love with one another for your glory and our good and joy. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> um, when, I was, when I was young, I, I was a picky eater. Uh, I was pretty, very picky. And I wasn't forced to eat a lot of things that I didn't like. And, you know, there's probably good and bad to all of that. Um, but as often as it is with, with picky eaters, my diet was terrible. It was full of awful, unhealthy things, right? Those are always the things that we like. Even the picky eaters, we like all the unhealthy things. And I've, I've gotten a lot better in my older age. I, I eat a lot more than, a lot more than I used to when I was a kid. Um, but one of the things that I loved as a kid was fast food. Just loved fast food. And one fast food place in particular became my favorite because they made it the easiest to get the food that I wanted the way I wanted it. Do you know what I am talking about? Can you guess? It was Burger King. It was Burger King. Because what's Burger King's slogan? I think it's still the slogan. Have it your way. At least that's the slogan that made them, I think, one of the most famous 
uh, fast food chains in the world. And, and that slogan came out in the 70s um, because they were trying to compete and beat their number one competitor, which is McDonald's, who's McDonald's, and who at the time was very inflexible with their orders. Like you had to get it the way they wanted it. And so this is actually from uh, a Burger King ad. I want to share it with you. This is, this is years old, but it still applies to today. So this is what it said. You have the right to have whatever you want exactly when you want it. Because on the menu of life, you are today's special and tomorrow's and the day after that. And, well, you get the drift. Yes, that's right. We may be the king, but you, my friend, are the almighty ruler. <clears throat> as much as I, I love Burger King, I, I find that fascinating. And I say as much as I love Burger King. I, I, don't, eat, I don't even know the last time I ate Burger King. Uh, it's been a long, long time. But fascinating about marketing and, and how they take something so simple, as simple as ordering a hamburger, and they turn it into this statement about life. He says, you, my friend, are the almighty ruler. Advertising does this, right? They're, they're not dumb. They, they get it. And although we don't like to admit it, it works, right? I mean, it works. We probably could go around our house right now and look at a bunch of things that we own or that we have eaten that we got or we ate because of the way it was sold to us, the way it was marketed to us. But look, the reason why this type of marketing works on us is because we like to get what we want and we want and we can get it the moment we want it. That's how we like it. That's in us. And the way they phrase it, right? That it's our right to have what we want. And it it works because it plays to our nature. What's inside of us, what's going on in us, our, our nature is is fixed on a setting right? There's a dial in there. And that setting is on, give me what I want. Please me, serve me. And that filters into so much more than just what we eat, right? We, we get that. We see this come out in where we live, who we hang out with, where we go to church. It impacts how we relate to the world around us, how we process the world around us. And so we have, we have categories and we have checklists that, that people need to fit into, that they need to check these boxes in order to, to deserve our time or our attention in order to get access. And... We wouldn't come right out and say that often. It's, that's not the way we operate. We, we are good at hiding it. We're good at masking it so that it looks pleasing. It, it looks gracious. It looks selfless. But it's really us creating a world around us that provides maximum benefit, maximum pleasure. Have it your way. We love that. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, whoa, whoa, Adam, 
um, you, you don't know me. <laughs> you, you don't know what I've done. This is, this is totally unfair. It's way out of line. Yes, I, I don't know you. You're right. I, I don't know all the things that you have done or that you are doing. I, I, I don't know the sacrifices that you've made. I'm sure you have done lots of good things and made sacrifices for others. But look, I know myself. I know my heart. And what I am saying is that our default setting is on self. And maybe I'm the only one. <laughs> but I know for me, I can be so selfish, so self-centered. And every day I have to fight to turn that dial from self to something else, to change the setting. And right now, we have to fight harder than ever to, to get that dial switched because we're dealing with some intense human emotions, human issues. Things that are happening around us are, are heightening and, and it is it's crazy. We've all been in this COVID thing for a while and, and it, this forces us into all kinds of decisions and we're, we're trying to wrestle with them too for coming to church, not coming to church, masks, no masks. What do we give? What do we not give? What do we do with kids? What do we not do with kids? Right? And, and you all are dealing with it too and you have strong opinions on both sides. We're seeing issues of racism bubble up to the surface that are always there, always been there, but there are these moments when the, these images are visible and visceral and we have to confront them and we have to start <laughs> making some decisions about what we're going to say or not say. the economy, mental health. And then there's just the normal, everyday crazy issues of life. Singleness, marriage, parenting, work. What do we do? What do we do when our default setting is, is constantly set to self and every day it's a fight to, to turn that dial away from just wanting maximum comfort, maximum pleasure? Well, God has some answers for us and, and, and he talks about turning that dial off of self and onto sacrifice. From self to sacrifice. That's the, that's the idea I want to convey today. That that's what God calls us to, that his way, his plan, his, his design for us is not to focus on self, is not to be self-centered, selfish, but to be sacrificial, to live a life of sacrifice and so, yeah, it's going to, that understanding this is going to help us answer these questions about how we respond to COVID, how we respond to racism, how we respond to the economy, how we respond to church. See, we default to the question, well, what about me? What about me? What about me and my rights? What about me and the way I want to do things? And God shifts our focus and says, no, 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 it's the wrong question. I don't ever tell you to ask that question. No, actually, for, from, I want you to switch from what about me to how can I serve you? 
What about you? And that is the hardest and the most rewarding thing that we can do is to turn that switch. And so Romans 15 here, one through seven, helps us in some powerful ways. And really the, <laughs> the discussion starts off from the beginning here in verse one with this very relatable dynamic of the strong and the weak. That's how verse one starts, right? We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Paul, he mentions, he sets up two categories of people, strong people, weak people, and he's not talking about physical strength. No, no, it's actually kind of a conclusion of an argument he builds all the way through the book of Romans and really comes to a head in chapter 14 because they have this discussion about food. <laughs> Strong and weak actually revolve around this discussion of food and it's, it's a battle between meat eaters and vegetarians. That old gem of a battle. <laughs> See, some people were concerned about eating unclean food. So if you remember in, in the old covenant, the Jewish people had very strict dietary laws. And God said, these things were clean, these things were unclean. Well, as Jesus comes, he opens up, the, he, he fulfills the law, he fulfills all of those restrictions. And now the, <laughs> the menu has opened up. And so the, uh, those who follow Jesus don't have to abstain from certain foods. And so what's happening in the early church is that some of the pagan culture, they were taking meat and they were offering it to idols as sacrifices for pagan gods by pagan priests. And so there were some Christians who were saying, I I'm not sure I should be eating that because I remember I, I, I don't want to eat an unclean food. And so to be sure, I'm just not going to eat meat at all. And so they would only eat vegetables. And other people, they got it. They understood the message of, of freedom in Christ. And they said, well, I, I, I don't think it matters. And so they ate everything. They ate meat. It didn't matter where it came from. And so Paul, he categorizes these two types of people, one as the weak and those were those who chose to eat only vegetables and the strong, those who ate everything. And what it, you know, why weak and strong for that? Because it had to do with faith. See, the ones who ate only vegetables were weak in faith because they were, they were trying to add back on rules and laws to God's word. They were trying to follow something that, that wasn't there anymore. And so the, the food laws weren't needed because God's people, when they were Israel, they used to have those restrictions and those laws to distinguish them from the other people of the world. It was a nationalistic system. It was to show they were different, that they were clean. And it was a way for them to show their standing with God. But Christ comes and all that's broken down. No more national distinction. And our cleanliness, our cleanness comes from him, okay? So there were those who were just kind of caught in the middle between restrictions of the old laws and the freedom of the new life in Christ, and they didn't know what to do. And, and Paul says that their faith was weak. And it's not an insult. It's a description. And so this whole teaching revolves around this one point. Don't let your preferences about food cause division in your community. 
And so he's saying, hey, strong guys, meat eaters, don't judge the vegetarians for what they are doing. And, and he goes so far to say this back in chapter 14, verse 20, he says, don't for the sake of food destroy the work of God. Don't for the sake of food destroy the work of God. And so then that discussion continues into chapter 15. And man, it just made me think, and yeah, I've said a lot, <laughs> to just digest that for a second and go, how many of us destroy the work of God for food? How many of us destroy the work of God for food? And it's not about the food, right? You get that. How many of us destroy the work of God? And, and that means cause others to question their faith, to question God, to stumble. How many of us cause other people to do that because of additional convictions that we have that don't need to be placed on other people? Paul says, look, if they want to eat only vegetables, let them eat vegetables. If you want to eat meat, great, eat meat. But don't let your meat eating become a stumbling block and become something that destroys the work of God in their life because you just want them to fit into what you believe is right. Even though it was right. Do you see that? There's something so much deeper going on here. Because this is where Paul goes after that. He, he says, I want you, don't look at me, but here's how you're going to understand how to put this into practice. Look at Christ. Look at him. Look at how he lived. Look at how he loved. He says, we who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. And then in verse 3, he says, for Christ did not please himself. There it is. There's the picture. There's the model. Christ did not come to please himself. What did he do? It says it. He took our reproaches. He says, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. That's Jesus. Reproach means disgrace. It means insults. Jesus took that on himself. And he never said, well, what about me? What, what, do, I, what do I get out of this? What about my rights? What about my pleasure. No, he always said, what does my father want? And what do my brothers and sisters want or need? What about God? What about you? Not what about me? What about God? What about you? <laughs> Back to the Burger King reference, right? The Burger King adds as you are the almighty ruler. And, and here we literally have the almighty ruler didn't live for his own pleasure, but for his father's and for ours. And this brings in a, a powerful principle for us. Let me ask a question. Do you see who's addressed in chapter 15, verses 1 through 7? Who is Paul talking to? Who is he addressing? The strong or the weak? He's addressing the strong. The instruction is for the strong. The strong. Why the strong? Because 
the burden, the greater burden is always put on the strong. That's a, that's a principle throughout all of Scripture, but especially right here, it is the burden of the strong to handle the weak with care. The, Paul says that the strong have an obligation to bear with the weak. Not, not a lot of obligations in Scripture, not a lot of places where we see you are obligated to do this, but this one is here and it is huge. They, the strong are obligated to bear, to bear with the failings of the weak, not just put up with, but to patiently endure. To patiently endure. It, it, it reminded me of a, not that long ago, I was, I was when, when school existed on earth, um, we were, I was driving and I was at a crossing, you know, intersection and there were crossing guards there. And, um, you know, the crossing guards out in the street and these kids are, are trying to walk and this other car just clearly not paying attention. And he's, he's trying to make a right-hand turn. And the, the, the crossing guard, I believe it was a woman, she's like walking up to the front of the car and just stands there. Like, oh, I think the car was literally touching her knees and she's just spinning the stop sign. <laughs> and for like, hey, dummy, things are happening here. Pay attention. Shouldn't say that. That's, that was me. Uh, editorializing what was going on in her head. Until the kids finished crossing the street, then she let the car through and she just, she walks away, just, you know, shaking her head. And I thought, man, that's not the picture of bearing. <laughs> that's not what we want to think of when we think of, I'm bearing with you. No, no, no. That, that's something different. And honestly, when I thought about that, when I thought about that, that person, that crossing guard, I was like, that's me. I am the worst. Like so often that is me. No patience, no care to bear with the failings of others. Just inconveniences and frustrations. You are all obstacles and you're in my way. And if you're not going fast, I, I am going to go faster. I'm going around you because you're in the way. That is not bearing. When I tell my kids, hey, go help your brother with this. Or go help your sister with that. And they roll their eyes, give a sigh, and then walk away. That's not, that's putting up with. That's an obligation where there is no love at the center. We who are strong have an obligation to bear, not just roll our eyes and spin the stop sign and say, hey, dummy, I'll just deal with you. No, no, no. We have an obligation to lovingly, patiently endure. All of us are constantly confronted with this weak, strong dynamic. All of us. The strong always have the burden of responsibility to care for those who are weaker, weaker in stature, weaker in power, weaker in position. Strength and power are meant to serve, never abuse. And I think we're, we get that, we understand that. We have witnessed things over the last few weeks that 
are just hard to reconcile, we see the strong not bearing with the weak, not caring for and handling with care those who are in a weaker position. We see a mom who has this autistic child. This is here in South Florida, and she, we have come to find out, she has drowned her nine-year-old autistic son, and there's video of her walking next to a canal and her pushing him into the canal, and you watch it, and you go, you're strong. You are charged with the care and protection of this child, and I get it. We don't know all the, but we don't need to know much. And we see these police officers One police officer kneeling on the neck of George Floyd. We see the other standing around and we we go, anyone can go and look at that and say, I don't need to know all the details. Get off. You are in a position of power. You're strong. You've won. This is not what we are to do. We see now, as we're crawling out of COVID restrictions, we see abused women and children coming out of restrictions who are fleeing for for their lives, trying to find help. And we're just, we're seeing this over and over and over again. And we, as Christians, we have to see the injustice of these situations, of these scenarios, and we have to be able to call it out. And I know that that's just the tip of the iceberg in our culture, in our society, of the wrongs and the evils. But man, let's, let's see and identify when the strong are abusing their power to subjugate, to marginalize, to kill the weak, those in a weaker position. Whether you're a mother, a police officer, uh, or a whole government, all of us are entrusted with a measure of power in our strength to care for and serve those that don't have the power. And yeah, we are going to have to constantly deal with in our Christian community, those who are difficult, who have difficult opinions, weird quirks, uncomfortable social skills, whatever. (laughs) We have an obligation to bear with the socially awkward, to bear with those who are weak, those who have different opinions. And I'm not saying we never disagree. I'm not saying that we don't have conversation. I'm not saying there aren't times when we engage in healthy argument or battle. But I think some of us are so quick to use the power that we have to just push others aside and say, no, you're out. You, you're in. I want it my way. I'm the ruler. What about me? 
we need to bear. And we need to not, and bearing means not jumping ship or leaving a group, a community, a church. So that I can find a place where everyone is like me. Everyone looks like me, thinks like me, talks like me. No, we, we bear with one another. And there are going to be times when that has to happen. When we do need to separate. Just make sure it's after you have bared. Because I'm going to tell you what, if you go to a place where everyone is just like you, thinks like you, talks like you, smells like you, looks like you, it will not be great. <laughs> I know if I went to a church or anywhere where everyone was just like me, I would be miserable. I can only handle me so much, okay? Everybody's got lots of grace who has to deal with me around here. Um, if there was more of me, every one of me, it would be the worst place on earth. That is not how God created us. He gave us these categories where at times we are strong, we are weak, and then it shifts. There is strength and weakness and that, that, that depending on what's going on in your life. And so I might be strong in a moment, but weak in another moment where I need the strength of another to come and bear with me. And then at other times I'm in the position of strength and that weaker brother is coming or sister is coming and, or they're in a position where they just need extra love and care and tenderness and patience and bearing. God tells us clearly that our lives are not centered on us and it should not be centered on squashing, marginalizing, bashing those who are weaker, but instead strengthening them. This is a lot and it's heavy. And I want you to think about the relationships in your life. I want you to think about the last time someone has disagreed with you. I want you to think about the last time you've engaged with someone who is weaker. And again, we're not looking at weakness as a derogatory statement that like we have these levels in life. No, no, no. There are so many situations where I am the weaker one and I need someone else to bear. Thank you for bearing with me for those that have had to do that. But I want you to think about that. Evaluate your life and think, what do I need to do to grow in this area? Because maybe some of you are saying, man, I'm just so quick to, to push others away, to not listen to people who don't think the same way I do, to even if I disagree at a deep level with this person, I don't have to marginalize or squash. But maybe some of us are just so quick to do that. I want you to think about that. And I want to give you just quickly a couple of things to remember, to think about how we can do this. Right? No matter what Burger King says, you do not have the right to have what you want exactly when you want it. You are not today special. So here are some ways to fight against that default setting that I tell you. Every, every morning, right? We wake up. The setting is back, flipped over to, to self. 
Every day we need to fight that. And so here's what we need to do. We need to open our eyes and look. We need to open our eyes and look. And this physical eyes, yes, but also the eyes, you know, metaphorically of our hearts. We need to look. We need to look. Just give you some directionals. We're going to look outward, upward, inward, and forward. Okay? Look outward, look upward, look inward, look forward. I'm going to try to make this as quick as possible. What do I mean by look outward? I mean, your eyes, your heart needs to be looking out, out away from the issues of your own life. It's not that they're not important, but we need to get off of self and onto others. Be others focused. B-O-F. My wife used to say that to me sometimes to just help me remember, okay? Be others focused. You'd say B-O-F, B-O-F. That means, Adam, you're, you're starting to think way too much of yourself. Knock it off. Think about other people. Super helpful. You might want to implement that in your life. Look, look at what he says in verse two. Let each please his neighbor for his good to build him up. Man, if we could just wake up every morning with that, like shining in our face, swirling in our head, let each please his neighbor for his good to build him up. The world would be a different place. (laughs) It would. See, that's the kind of bearing we're to do. The goal is to strengthen the other person. If you're just putting up with someone's nonsense and you're clearly dismissing them, you're not strengthening them. Bearing to strengthen is what we are after. This, if we can get this, it will revolutionize our world, our lives, our marriages, our friendships, our families, our churches. Think how we'd be able to process the the massively painful and complex issues of our day. Let each please his neighbor for his good to build him up. Look outward. Look upward. This is an easy one. We don't just look out. We look out because we look up. Upward means we're, we're looking at God. We are focusing our eyes on who he is, what he has done for us. Paul, Paul tells us, make a compare. He's making a comparison. Uh, he's like, I want you to make this comparison. In verse three, he said, for Christ did not please himself. That's the cue. He's saying, hey, guys, Christ didn't do this and therefore we shouldn't either. And then in verse seven, he goes on to say, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. Think about how Christ has welcomed you, has welcomed us. That's how we're to welcome other people. And so bear with your neighbor, build him up. Everyone strong and weak, welcome one another because that's what Christ did for you. And actually, if we really try to measure it out, that's not, (laughs) Christ did infinitely more for us than that. And so how much more are we to humble ourselves, and welcome others. We need to look up to his example, and that will strengthen and fuel us in our outward approach. When I say look inward, I mean look at Scripture. Utilize this to be your template, to be your foundation, to be everything that you need to understand how to process this life. Look to the Scriptures. This is where we see how weak we all are. See, we, we don't ever then, we don't need to judge other people when we say, well, they're a weaker faith. Oh, isn't that, isn't that sweet? No, poor them. No, that's not it. We're all weak at one point or another. At every moment, we have weakness shining through. We are in need of bearing and the scriptures help us to understand 
that. And look forward. All of this has a purpose. All of the struggle, the pain, the tears, the, the issues, the bearing, it has a purpose. All relationships, both good and bad, the easy and the challenging ones are producing something in us. They should be producing good things in us. Look at verse four. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have, say it with me, we might have hope. We have hope because of the endurance that we have had to build through the struggles of life and through the encouragement of scriptures. Friends, there is hope. There is hope. It's waiting for us. Endurance is producing hope so that we would be united in praise. We would be together in harmony. It's what the scripture says there. It's all for the goal of verse seven, to bring glory to God. It's to bring glory to God. That is what our aim in life is. So that, is, that pushes us to have a different response when someone comes to us with something that we just don't understand and they're, they're crying, they're screaming, they're yelling and they're going, man, I'm hurting because of this. And you're saying, okay, I, I don't fully understand, but... Um, man, I want to bring God glory and I, I want to bear with you. I want to cry with you and I want to seek to understand. Man, that, that changes everything. And you know what? You might not get it right away. And if you're the one crying and the other one's coming and they don't get it, this is an opportunity to bear with that person and say, man, they just don't get it, but I'm, I'm trusting God with this and I'm going to believe that in time, this is going to, this is going to be clear. God is working in and through all of this. Friends, trust him. Run to him. Let's put away the Burger King mindset and run from self to sacrifice. It's going to hurt. It's going to be super uncomfortable. It's going to mean giving up some things that you think you can't live without. But what you're going to gain is everything that God has for you. And he is going to do amazing things in your life. Put your trust in him. Call out to him. If you've never done that, pray to him to save you, to, to tell him that you trust him for the forgiveness of your sins. And he will welcome you in. For those that know him, cry out to God daily for that dial to switch from self to sacrifice. Let me leave you with this encouragement from verse five and six here. I know I read it before, but let's just focus in as we close. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together you may with one voice Glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. God, take these words. Fill us with them. Bring unity. Bring harmony. Help us to bear with one another so that you would 
receive the glory. We need you, God. We need so much from you. Help us. Help us as a country to get, to get through this virus. Help us as a country to see the systemic issues that exist here of intolerance, of racism, of hatred. Help us to use these verses to, to change our, our, our minds, our hearts, our attitudes towards you. Thank you for the men and women in, in this country who are, are doing it the, the right way and who are, who are trying and who are working to love and bring unity and for those that protect us, for those that, that seek our welfare. Help each of us in our spheres of influence to be able to be change makers. We love you, God. We trust you for all of it. Amen. Amen.